We are so glad to have you with us this week as we begin a brand new series uh, called TGIM, right? TGIM, isn't that what all of us are thinking when we wake up on Monday mornings? We're thinking, oh Lord, thank you for another Monday that I get to go to work. No, that's not what we're thinking. But tomorrow you might think that because it's Labor Day and you get a day off. Why do we have Labor Day? Because we hate Mondays. We need an extra day off of work. And a recent Gallup poll said that, catch this now, 85% of people said not that they disliked their jobs, not that they wish they had another job, but that they actually hate their jobs. That's a strong word. They hate their jobs. 85% of all people. And what's alarming about this is, I don't know if you knew this or not, but we actually spend like a majority of our time at work. So what that tells me is then 85% of, of, of all people are miserable for the majority of their time because they're at work. And so this series is really just a series designed to help us shape our perspective on how do we live out our faith in our workplace. And, and my hope is that what we can do is move from dread to purpose, right? That instead of waking up on Monday dreading going to work, that we can wake up on Monday with a missional and purposeful mindset saying, no, God has placed me here and there's a reason why I work where I work. A study was done by a company recently where they polled 1,000 bosses and they were asked to give the, the best excuses that they had ever heard for somebody calling in to work. How many of you have ever made up an excuse to call in to work? Don't lie now. You're in church today. Uh, come on. I know I have. I've made up an excuse. I'm sick today. Sick. What's the matter? I'm just sick. I'm sick of my job. That's what. Sick. Right? We, we do that. And so they polled 1,000 people and they said, what are the best excuses that you've ever heard for somebody calling in? Okay, catch this. Top 10. Ready? Number one. I'm stuck in my house because my door is broken. Could be legit. Sounds a little funny. Okay, here's a good one. A can of baked beans landed on my big toe. All right, that, that could be painful. I've been bitten by an insect. Like fly, mosquito, like what are we talking about? Uh, here's one. My hamster died. Painful, I know. Uh, I slipped on a coin. Interesting. Okay, uh, here's, here's a funny one. My mom died again. Like it was the second time this person used that excuse. You can't do that. That's like, it's a great excuse one time. You only get to use it once though. You can't use it again. Uh, the dog ate my shoes. Okay. Uh, my fish is sick. I don't even know. How would you even know if your fish was sick, right? Uh, I don't even know like the story behind this one, but it sounds crazy. My toe is trapped in the bathtub. How did that happen, I would want to ask. And then number 10, my pants split on the way to work. That, that could be real. That could be real. So we joke and we kid, but the truth is that uh, for many of us, going to work means going to a place that we don't enjoy to do something that we don't like to do with people that we'd rather not be around. Hello? For some of us, that's the truth. Now, for others of us, there may be some of us here that feel like a great sense of satisfaction and purpose and 
uh, like maybe even like you feel as though like work is the one thing that I have some control in my life. Like at work, I feel a sense of control there. Everything else might feel out of control, but at work, I feel like I'm in control. Then there are others in the room that you own your own business. And, and for you, the idea of work means worry. Worry about will we have enough money to do payroll and get the supplies that we need and just the stress that comes with leading an organization. There are other people in the room that for you, work means taking care of the little children that live in your house that are your kids, right? That's work. Come on, somebody. How many of you know that's work, right? And it's important work. And then there may be others in the room that you're not quite adulting yet, uh, but one day you will, so take notes so that you know how to adult well. And then maybe there are some of you that are blessed enough to be retired, and and I just want to know what that's like. Um, But regardless of wherever you're at on the spectrum, or maybe there's some of you in the room today that you might not even yet be a follower of Christ, I think we can all relate to this passage In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 17, Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and this is what he said. This verse is kind of funny on the surface. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. How many of y'all at work tomorrow or Tuesday want to just quote that scripture? Oh, I hated life because the work was grievous and meaningless. The title of today's message is Why Work? Why Work? Let's pray. Jesus, we just pray that you would help us to shape our perspective on our jobs. And and Lord, help us to move from dread to purpose in that realm, Lord. God, I pray that your word would uh, just come to life. I pray that we would be doers of your word today. And Lord, that we would just put into practice the things that we learned today from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So what if, let me ask you a question. What if work, when you showed up on Tuesday, was different? What if you didn't didn't need to work to pay the bills, but you actually were like, no, I don't even need this money. I just show up here every day because I love what I do. It makes me feel fulfilled. It makes me feel like I have purpose. What if your boss, instead of writing your case all the time, was constantly praising you and saying, good job, way to go, right? What if your coworkers, instead of getting under your skin and being annoying, were actually like people that you enjoyed being around? What if those customers didn't uh, disrespect you when they're upset and in their feelings? Come on, how many of y'all have ever worked in retail, worked in a restaurant, right? What if all the customers were kind and polite and respectful, right? What if there was no such thing as deadlines? Oh, Lord Jesus, hallelujah. What if life was easy and work was fun. Those words don't always go together for us, do they? Work, fun. No, right? But it may surprise you, but this is actually the way things were at one time. In the Garden of Eden, before the fall of man, before Adam and Eve uh, failed to resist the temptation to sin, and before they stepped out of God's boundaries, and before 
Eve took the apple from the forbidden tree and took a bite and said, here you go, Adam. This is great. Have some. And Adam was like, okay, I will. And all of a sudden, boom, sin entered in. And many of us maybe don't think about it, but Adam and Eve, they didn't just sit around in the garden all the time prior to this happening, right? They were doing things. They were working. They were, there was a garden. They were working the garden. Gardens are work, right? And they were naming all the animals, and, and they were getting along, and everything was bliss and grand, and the work that they were doing, they were enjoying. And then what we see is that everything changed when sin entered the picture, right? And, and what we see in the, in the passage of Scripture in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, is that part of the curse of sin is actually the toil of work, okay? Something changed, and it changed everything, including work as we know it. And the work that we know is normal now was actually not what God intended for work to be prior to the curse of sin. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil... Come on now, how many of you have ever felt like your job was painful toil? You will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. What we see in this passage of scripture is a description of the curse of work. That it would, invo- it, it would involve painful toil. And that it would produce thorns and thistles. And that by the sweat of our brow we would eat. Right? And really what this is saying is an echo of what we read in Ecclesiastes. That work feels meaningless. That the thorns and thistles uh, are not what we expect our work to produce. And so we ask ourselves this question, why is my work failing me? And here's what I have to let you know today. If, If we're looking at our work to fulfill certain expectations and needs in our life, it's always going to fall short of that. And so we ask ourselves, why is my work failing me. And even when we do everything right and we say the right things and we have the right attitude, it still feels painful, like a toil. And so most of us fall into either one of two categories in the way that we approach work. There there are two words that I I just want to throw up on the screen. It's idleness or idleness. Okay. And so you have idleness, I-D-L-E, and idleness, okay? These are a homophone. They sound the same, but they're spelled differently. English lesson right there. Idleness or idleness, okay? We're going to talk about these for the next few moments. For some of us, we fall into the trap of this idleness, which just means we're not doing anything, really. We're sitting idly, 
Okay? What this can look like is when we show up to work, we spend the first hour of our day just uh, reading through different uh, things on our social media. Right? Or uh, we're on fantasy football for an hour in the middle of our work day. Or when we should be being productive and getting something done, we're just kind of dazing off, in, like gazing off into space, like confused, lost, no productivity. It's idleness, I-D-L-E. And, and what we do is uh, we do just enough to get by. We do, like, we're asking, what is it that I need to do just to keep my job and get a paycheck? And, and that's all I want to do, just the minimum. Hello? Right? That's idleness. We're not committed. If the building burnt down, that, that's great as long as I'm still getting a check in the mail, right? Uh, I, I'm only going to work hard when the supervisor's around. I'm going to clock in late. I'm going to clock out early, right? Idleness. And uh, here's a really good example of someone who has the problem of idleness. Check this out. Peter Gibbons. Uh-huh. Oh, there you are. We're just talking about you. You must be Peter Gibbons. Uh-huh. Terrific. I'm Bob Slidell. This is my associate, Bob Porter. Uh, hi, Bob. Bob? Peter, why don't you go ahead and grab a seat and join us for a minute or two. You see, what we're actually trying to do here is we're just... We're trying to get a feel for how people spend their day at work. So, if you would, would you walk us through a typical day for you? Yeah. Great. Well, I generally come in at least 15 minutes late. Uh, I use the side door. That way, Lumberg can't see me. <laughs> and uh, after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. Tell him uh, space out? Yeah. I just stare at my desk, but it looks like I'm working. I do that for uh, probably another hour after lunch, too. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. Much better. Looks like a Peter Gibbons. How many of y'all can relate to that? Come on, let's be real. Sometimes that is the kind of productive that we can be in a given work week. And what I, what I want to pose to you today is that if we struggle with that type of idleness in the workplace, what we really have at the core is a hope issue. What we have is a hope issue because when we're coming into work, we're starting to feel a sense of hopelessness or dread. And I just, I just need to tell you today that we cannot, we cannot trust our workplace to bring satisfaction in our life, right? That True fulfillment and true purpose, those things come by walking with Jesus, by following Jesus. And if we're going to work looking to find hope, what happens is we can fall into this trap of idleness. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't work, right? Don't don't leave here today and say, oh, pastor said I just shouldn't put my hope in work. That means I'm done working. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to just... I'm going to see how things go, right? Here's some things that the Bible says about work. It says in Proverbs 14, verse 23, All hard work brings profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. 1 Timothy 5, 8, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially his own family, he has disowned the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Yeah, the Bible says that we should work. And one of my favorite verses that I sometimes quote to my kids, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, 
if anyone doesn't work, they shouldn't eat. That's what I tell my kids sometimes. Like, hey, stop eating so much. You need to get a job because the Bible says if you want to eat, then you need to work. I don't care if you're eight, get a job, right? But the Bible says that we should work, but we know that we have to be careful about not putting our hope in the work that we do. Are you all with me this morning? And so some of us fall into that type of idleness. The other idleness trap is the I-D-O-L-N-E-S. Idleness in this way, what we're talking about is you, uh, you have made your workplace an idol. The pursuit of career goals, the pursuit of uh, prestige, the pursuit of power, the pursuit of a pay raise, the pursuit of uh, authority in the workplace, the pursuit of whatever that career path might look like. How many of you know this can become, very quickly, it can become an idol in our lives? And, and what happens is when, when we fall into this idleness trap in our workplaces, we, what we're struggling with is really not a hope problem, but an identity problem. In other words, I, like, I find my identity in the work that I do. And ask any of the NFL players that were cut from their teams this weekend as roster cuts happen. That, that's not a good place to put your identity. Ask anyone who's worked for 20 years in a given career path only to be laid off. All of a the sudden they look around and they're struggling to find their identity because they place their identity in the wrong place. Are you all with me? And so oftentimes, you know, if, if we're falling into this idleness trap in the workplace, what it means is my job is the center of who I am. That all of my hope, I've kind of, I've, I've settled it upon the job that I have. And it can look like you working so much that you're not present for family functions. It can look like you're working so much that you're not you're not even able to attend church on Sunday or maybe uh, a small group or a Bible study or things like that. It can look like when I'm on vacation, I can't even turn my email off because my work is what I worship. And I know that's hard, and it's not as though we come into work and bow down at our desk in an act of worship, but by our actions, what we're communicating is that the most important thing in my life is my work. And, and guess what? When this is the case, everything rises and falls on the emotions attached to your day at work. That when you walk through the door, your family knows right away it was a good day at work or it was a bad day at work. I can tell by, by the way dad came in the front door today, it was a bad day at work. Watch out now. Watch out, right? And if we're not careful, we'll allow the worship of our work to determine the flow of our emotions. Mm. How many of you know God has more than that for us? And what happens is that work becomes not just part of our life, it becomes our life. And we're not working to live, we're living to work. So there are two traps. The idleness trap of, I'm, I'm here but I'm not really doing anything. And the idleness trap of, I'm here and this is what my whole life is built upon. If, if we're falling into the first trap, it's a hope problem. Our hope is in the wrong place. If we're falling into the second trap, 
It's an identity problem. I've built my identity upon what I do for a living instead of the, the fact that I'm a child of God, right? And the truth is, I promise you this, no matter how hard we try, we will not find ultimate purpose and fulfillment in our work. You may find some purpose. You, you may even enjoy what you do and feel as though it benefits other people and it helps other people. But at the end of the day, our hope and our identity are not found in what we do for a living. Amen? And so here is the solution today. If you're a Christ follower in the room, let me tell you the simple solution is to work hard, but don't put your hope in your job. Hello? The simple solution is to work hard, but don't find your identity in your job. So then where do we find our hope? Where do we find our identity? I'm so glad you're asking. I think you can write this down. It's in your notes. Find your hope and your identity in Jesus. It sounds so simple, but it can be so difficult to live that out. How many of you know Jesus wants to be the center of our lives? And that's in our, in our workplace, in our home, in the community, in every aspect. And if we're not careful, we, we can leave Jesus out of our workplace. We can say, Jesus, I'll, I'll see you at 3.15 when I get back in the car, but, you know, I'm going to ride solo all day at work. How many of you know that's not a good idea, right? Jesus is with us. He wants to be with us in our workplace. And, and what I would encourage, encourage us to do is to find our hope and our identity in him and realize that he's walking into our places of work with us. Amen? Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 6. Verses 18 through 20. Hebrews 6, 18 through 20. This is from the message. And it says this. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. Reaching past all appearances, right to the very presence of God, where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us. We have a hope that is found in Jesus. Amen? Our hope is found in Christ. And so what this should look like is, I'm not, uh, I'm not, a contractor who is a Christian, I'm a Christian who works as a contractor. Hello? I'm not a teacher who is a, a person of faith or a Christ follower. I'm a Christ follower and I just happen to be a teacher as well. Right? I don't work in uh, the medical profession and follow Christ, but I'm a Christ follower who works in the medical profession. How many of you know that's a big difference? It's subtle, but it's key, right? Our identity is first and foremost in Christ. And secondly, in whatever it is that we do for a living. And we can acknowledge that my identity is in Jesus and he's placed me in this place to live missionally and on, on intention, with intentionality for him. Our hope is in 
him, it said in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. Listen to this, John chapter 1, verse 12. Not only is our hope in Christ, our identity is found in Christ. Listen to what it says as the worship team comes. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. How many of you know that my identity being found in being a child of God is so much greater than my identity being found in the fact that I run my own business or I work in a, in a business sector or I, I'm a pastor. Like all of those things are, are great, but at the end of the day, our identity is that we are, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Hello? And, and when we get it twisted and look at it any other way and, and start to wrap our identity and our purpose in just what we do for a living, we're going to fall so short of living with real purpose and real hope in our lives. And I know that the grind of working a Monday through Friday schedule can beat us down and we can, we can begin to have a sense of false hope, a sense of false identity, but I just want to remind you today that your hope is in Christ. That your identity is in Christ. That more important than anything you'll ever do as a profession is the fact that we have a hope that never disappoints in Jesus. How many of you felt disappointed at work at some point in your life? Yesterday, this week, yeah. We feel disappointed. Jesus provides us a hope that doesn't disappoint. How many of you have ever felt uh, in the workplace as though maybe you deserved a raise or a promotion that someone else got and it shook you in the sense of your, your identity and understanding like, do I matter? Am I valuable here? Can I tell you this morning that your value is so much greater than anything that happens in your workplace? That you're a child of the Most High God. That our hope is found in Jesus. Amen.